Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Back in Romans chapter 11 tonight, we're actually going to be spending the next, this week and then next week, on this one section of Scripture. So these four verses... And as I've been studying through this, um, honestly, I don't think that we're going to make it far out of verse 33 tonight. Um, won't be entirely, it won't be real long, but at the same time, there's a lot of things in verse 33 that I think we need to focus on. And especially in light of this morning, in light of what was looked at this morning in John 17, this is the same thought that Paul has, again, and we looked at this last week, coming out of chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, that crescendo, if you want to call it that, that Paul has. In verse 1 of chapter number 8, he says, there's now no condemnation. He goes to explain the plan of God and how that applies to us. And he gets to this section of Scripture, and in verse number 33, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Basically, Paul's saying, who could even know what he was doing, much less tell him a better way to do it? Or who has first given him and it shall be recompensed unto him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. I don't know if anybody else has or not. Everybody may have, may not. But I guess it was about a year ago, me and Lindsay took a trip to Newton in North Carolina. Um, I think it was around her birthday, if I'm not mistaken. And I'd been there when I was a kid, but I didn't really remember a lot about it other than being terrified the whole time. But we went to Linville Caverns. I don't know if anybody else has been to Linville Caverns or not, but there's a place in Linville Caverns where, and this is, this is part of what terrified me when I was a kid, but you walk out on this ledge and there's just this huge pool. And the tour guide, I remember when I was a kid, and he, he said the same thing when we went, back a year or so ago, he called it a bottomless pool. Now, I'm sure that they could find the bottom somehow if they really wanted to. Um, but when I was a kid, that terrified me. I was probably, I was probably young, a little bit younger than Reese. But I remember being where the line was, we kind of had stretched out. And I remember my dad being beside of me. And I was almost at the end, but I was on that ledge. I don't know if, it, if anybody's been there. What it has, it got like a little graded ledge that goes out probably like two feet over top of the water. And the rest of it, you're on the rock. Well, I was just so happened to be in the part of the line that was on the graded ledge. And I remember thinking to myself, because, and this is all neither here nor there, but water scares me. If I, if I, if I, if I was going to die, drowning to me would be the worst way to die. I don't even like being on boats for that reason because I, I just, it, it, that that's, no. water terrifies me. 
So here I am. I'm probably, again, seven, eight, looking down, and I'm thinking, what if this thing breaks? They'll never find me. I can't swim that good. I don't even know where. I don't even know what's under me. What's even under here? Who knows where? What would even happen? And all these thoughts are going through my seven, eight-year-old mind. And I am just ready for the tour guide to be quiet so we can get off of this little graded ledge. That's all I cared about at that, moment, at that point in time. But that's what Paul is basically done in this verse. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Basically, where Paul finds himself in this text of Scripture is he has, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gone through the plan of God. And he finds himself looking over a ledge and all he knows to say is, oh, the depth. He doesn't know anything else to do but just be mind blown at how deep the knowledge and wisdom of God goes. And he breaks out into Towards the end of this, this is basically a hymn. It's basically a song where Paul is singing this praise to God. And again, he ends by saying, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Paul ends with that. And by seeing all of this, again, Paul didn't come away from this rightly understood theology with controversy and he didn't come away with this rightly understood theology thinking better of himself he didn't come away with this right understanding of theology and it lead him to anything other than praise and if we ever rightly understand theology it should never lead us to pride and it should never lead us content to contention but understanding god should always lead us to praise to standing in awe of who God is. Whenever we get done with this, we'll again sing the doxology, and that's what doxology means. Doxology means praise. And theology should lead us there. No matter what we're looking at, it should always lead our hearts to praise God. But this specific section of Scripture, I want to look at three points on the depths that Paul speaks about. And then I want to look at three points on the riches that Paul speaks about. And that's probably, again, that's probably what all we'll get to. It will be because that's all I actually wrote down to study for. So as we begin to look through this, in verse number 33, speaking of the depths, Paul talks about an unspeakable hiddenness, an unseen reality, and a uniformed structure. And this is all found in the depths of what Paul is saying here. So real quick, because of what Paul is doing, the Jewish mind would have went to Jewish texts. So I want to turn over to Daniel chapter number 2 and view this depth of the, the knowledge and the wisdom of God through the lens of what Daniel has said. Daniel knew about this same God that Paul is speaking to us about. He might not have known all of the ins and outs of everything that God was doing, but he knew the same God. I think even Brother Charles had mentioned this morning, he may not have known the plan of God, but he knew the God of the plan. And in verse number 21 of chapter number 2 of the book of Daniel, 
It reads, And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge unto them that know understanding. So he's saying God's plan is in motion. He's picking up kings. He's putting kings down. He's giving wisdom to some. He's giving knowledge to some. But in verse number 22, he says, He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I know even on Wednesday nights, we've looked at where the psalmist says that darkness is the same as light to God. But when Daniel came to this understanding of the God of the plan, he said, this depth, this hiddenness is known to God. Paul looking over at this deep, unreachable, Paul calls it unsearchable depths of God. He looks at it and he says, I don't know what's down there, but he does. It's the same thing that that I would do if I was in a boat on the ocean. I don't know what's below me. I don't know what's in the depths. But as Paul stands here, overlooking all of this plan of God, he knows that even though it's unsearchable to him, and it's unspeakable. It's not been, he, he, he knows himself that he's not been able to explain this in the way that God has laid it out. But God knows what's there. There's nothing in the plan of God that is hidden to God. There's nothing in the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God that is in a corner where God can't see it. There's nothing hiding up under a ledge that is going to surprise God when he gets to that part of his plan. There are a lot of things that surprise us. But it's his knowledge and his wisdom. And for illustration purposes, he knows every nook and cranny that's there. Paul speaks about this unspeakable hiddenness or this unsearchable hiddenness. He said, what's there? I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. But we know the God who knows because we know the God who's put it into motion. Not only is it an unseen hiddenness, but it is an unseen reality. Just like everything else in life, most of the time, what we can't see is a mystery to us. Again, thinking about that that cavern in Linville that had the bottomless pool. When I look down in there, I see nothing. To me, there's nothing there. I look down there, I don't know what's there, and all I see is nothing. So obviously, there's nothing there. But what Paul is saying in light of Daniel chapter number 2 is that there is a depth. There is hidden things. But every foot that you go, there's something It's not that God has this depth of knowledge and wisdom that is meaningless and purposeless and empty. But every foot that you go farther down, it becomes more and more clear. Every every step that we take in our life, we look at things and think, how in the world was this supposed to happen this way? How in the world... 
personally could could something have turned out in this in this direction i mean the jewish the jew the jewish people that was following christ what did they say on the road to mess he said how could this have happened we thought that he was the son of god we thought that he was the christ how could this have happened but as they walked physical steps on the way to their home in Emmaus, they started to see the plan of God because God was revealing it to them. But God knew the whole thing before he ever got there. He gave them a chance to see him as he was, but he didn't just give them some kind of fleeting image of himself. He didn't just say, hey, I'm risen, here's the proof. He walked through scriptures to give them something to hold on to. He gave them his word. He, he wanted to give them his person, and he did. But to him, it was more imper- important for them to give him his word so that he could show them the same knowledge and wisdom that Paul is seeing in this text. So the farther they, they went down, the farther that we go down, the farther that we look into the plan of God, even though it is unseen to us, it is a reality to him. There's things that we don't understand, but it is a reality to the God that is not bound by time. We look at the other text that Paul writes, and he talks about us being seated with Christ in heavenly places. Or we look into the book of Revelation, and John sees thousands upon thousands, and even to a point where he can't even number them of people around the throne. God sees us in his Son even now. God sees us in heavenly places even now. Yes. Romans 8 said God sees us glorified even now. When I see myself, I am not a glorified person. I'm a sinful person, but God sees us in his son. And just like was said this morning, God has always seen us in his son. Positionally, God has seen us in Christ Practically speaking, we did not see ourselves in Christ until a specific point in time in our life, but God has known what was going on. Every bit farther that we go, we understand that even though this wisdom and knowledge of God is unseen, it is a reality. And then thirdly, it's a unified or uniformed structure. The amazing part of... The picture that Paul is drawing here is he's not just speaking about something that goes down and you can't see. But the reason that it leads him into praise is because it comes up in glory as much as it goes down in wisdom. The farther that the wisdom and knowledge of God goes down, the glory of God rises up above it. It's almost like a tree. The farther the roots go down, the taller the tree gets. And that's what Paul is picturing here, that this structure in the depth of the knowledge and wisdom of God goes down, but we can see it producing things around us. We can have the the assurance that everything that we see that God is doing, there was something underneath it. It's not just happenstance. It's not just God thinking this would look good here and this would look good there. But there was a root that produced all of what we see. Everything that brings glory to God in our lives, there was a root of knowledge and wisdom that performed those things. And that's again, that's why Paul says that 
what he begins, he is going to finish. Yes. He is going before us. The psalmist said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. He said, though he fall, he won't be utterly cast down because he upholds him with his hand. What the psalmist understood is that every step that he took was already ordered and prepared by the Lord. And he could delight in every step because he knew even when he fell, God had already planned for that too. He was upheld by his hand. Whenever the psalmist made those stupid decisions in his life, he knew that he would never be utterly cast down because God had already planned for that. God had already made provision for those steps in his life and was going to use those steps to bring himself glory. As much as we see of the glory of God, there's even more that we don't see. Even more planning, down to the every intricate detail, God is planning for what we do see. And that's the beauty of what Paul is saying. And he, he conveys this by verse number 36. He says, for of him and through him and to him. Paul's saying that this depth isn't just a means to the end, but it is the means and the end. God is not just the means to the end. He's the means and the end. And what this leads us into, and the way that Paul fits these things together, points us to a person. And we're going to go through some other texts, some in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament. But we have the depths that Paul speaks of. But these depths are something. He says the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. So we've got depths, but these depths are of something. With, well, again, where I saw a depths, depths of water and depths of nothingness, when Paul is standing over, he's seeing depths of riches. But what are these riches? And I promise you I did not plan this. I probably couldn't have planned it. But if you'll turn back over to Psalm chapter number 24... What did we read this morning? Psalm chapter number 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So if we're going to begin to look at the riches of God, we can start with the fact that God owns everything. You want to know what this depth of riches looks like? Well, it's everything. Because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all that dwell with him. So he's saying everything, the whole earth is the Lord. Everything in the earth is the Lord. Everything that comes out of the earth is the Lord's. It all belongs to him. So that's what Paul is saying. He's saying these depths, I'm looking down through here and I don't see anything that doesn't belong to God. He owns it all. These are the riches It's everything. Everything good that I have seen, everything that has happened to me in the plan of God, it's all there. And it's all his. There wasn't wasn't even a single molecule in this depth that didn't belong to him. 
And that means for us that every step that we take in our life, in the plan of God, there is nothing that can come against us that doesn't belong to him because he owns it all. It's no wonder that Paul said that we were more than conquerors. It's no wonder that he will go on to say that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Because it's all his. Everything in his plan belongs to him. When I make plans, my plans change because my whole plan doesn't belong to me. If I plan to go down to Charlotte and somebody cuts me off and I reckon to something, well, that... (laughs) that sidebar didn't belong to me and that car who cut me off didn't belong to me and the road didn't belong to me and the car, honestly, the car that I was driving didn't belong to me. It belonged to the bank, but that's another story for another day. But my plans can change because it all doesn't belong to me. I can't tell my kids with a surety we are going to do this because my time doesn't belong to me. The places that we would go don't belong to me. The how we would get there doesn't belong to me. Even the breath that I breathe doesn't belong to me. But everything belongs to him. That's what Paul's saying. These riches, these depths, it's all his. Why is it all his? Because he made it all. And that's the second point. It's all his. The riches are all his. And they're all his because he made them all. Amen. There are things that I have made that belong to me because I made them. I know Samuel does some leather work. When he does that, it belongs to him because he made it. I do some, on the side, do some amateur logo design and things like that. They call that intellectual property. I made it. It belongs to me. I'll sell it to someone because it was mine to begin with. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, whether it's physical property or intellectual property, it's all his. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a thought that was ever thought that didn't belong to him to begin with. There wasn't a word that was ever spoken that didn't belong to him to begin with. There wasn't a breath that was ever taken that didn't belong to him to begin with. There wasn't an, an action that was ever acted upon that didn't belong to him to begin with. The riches of God are all his because he made them all. So again, how can anything come against us that's not part of his plan? Number one, because there's nothing that's not his and there's nothing that he didn't make. I mean, I don't know how you get out of not feeling secure from that. If not only everything belongs to him, but he owns the only one who made any of it, how can any of it come again? Who can separate us from the love of God? Amen. It's all his and he made it all. He designed it. But this is where Paul comes into his conclusion. And I want to look at a handful of texts as we go into this. And I'm pretty sure that you'll start to see exactly what I was seeing from the hand of Paul as we go through some of these texts. We'll look at four or five, and they're all Paul's writings, but Ephesians 1, verse number 17. We've gone through Ephesians. This verse will be familiar to us, but all of these speak to the riches of God. And these riches 
I'm not even going to say anything about it because I don't want to completely give it away till we get there. But verse number seven of chapter one in Ephesians, and you can keep your hand in Ephesians because we'll be back here again. Verse number seven says, in whom we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, Romans chapter number two and verse number four. And I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough tabs to mark all these. So Romans chapter two, verse four. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So Paul in Ephesians 1.7 talks about the riches of grace. In 2.4, he talks about the riches of goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering. Romans 9, verse number 23, Paul talks about another type of, of riches and that he might make known the riches of his glory on vessels of mercy which he hath afore prepared unto glory so we've got riches of grace riches of long suffering riches of glory now back over to Ephesians chapter number 3 and this is when we start to see what Paul's saying. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is given great, is grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is why Paul goes into this praise. Because it's not what God has given. It's who he is. The riches aren't what God is giving us. It is who he is. This takes us over to Colossians. Chapter number one. Verse number 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the riches of the glory? What is the riches of the grace? Which is in, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then right across the page, Colossians 2, verse number 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if we go back to verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory, fall down to chapter number two and verse number two, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and to all riches of full assurance of understanding to acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the riches of wisdom and knowledge. So back over to chapter number 11 and verse number 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of, 
of God. What Paul is telling us is that all of these riches, the depths of these riches, Colossians tells us are hidden in Christ. And then he tells us that Christ is in you. What Paul is trying to convey is that every glimpse of the riches of God is a glimpse of Christ. And all who believe have access to these riches of God. So bringing us kind of full circle, if, all, if Paul said all of this knowledge and all of this wisdom that is unsearchable and is deep, is all hidden in Christ, and Christ is in us, then Christ is the meaning. What Paul has done is he has taken from verse number one of chapter number eight, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he's brought us all the way to the end and said, all of this is where you're at. All of this wisdom and knowledge of God is what you're in. You're in the knowledge and the wisdom of God because Christ is the knowledge and wisdom of God. What Paul's saying and what Paul's conveying to these Romans is that there's nothing to fear. There is no condemnation. There is no one that can separate us from the love of God. There's no one who can draw us outside of the plan of God. There's no one who can jerk us somehow, kicking and screaming outside of God's plan, unless they can draw us kicking and screaming outside of Christ. But Christ said something about that. He said that anybody who was in him was in his father's hand, and there was no man that would pluck them out. This is why he says in verse 36, of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Paul's praise is because he saw Christ. That was it. Paul didn't have to go searching through the annals of time. He didn't have to go searching through all of every little aspect of Scripture trying to find some kind of code and meaning. He didn't have to go trying to set up some kind of chart of when something was going to happen and where it was going to happen and how it was going to happen. All he had to do was look at the Son of God. Paul is saying, if you want to understand the plan of God, look at the Son of God. If you want to understand the purpose of God, look at the Son of God. If you want to understand the assurance that you have, look at the Son of God. If you want to get through the day and the next day and the next day, even though things happen that we didn't expect and things are going to happen that we don't expect, Paul is saying, look at the Son of God. Because He is the depths of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. And if we've learned anything through 
the book of Romans so far, we can remember what he said in chapter number one. The gospel is the power unto salvation to all who believe. Paul is saying to those that are in Christ, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's no guilt to be had because you're in Christ. And at the same side, Paul is telling those who aren't, if you want to understand the purpose of your life, if you want to understand the plan for your life, if you want to be part of what God is doing in an intimate way, believe. Because the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, is available to all who believe. It's there, it's waiting. Again, Paul talked about the riches about other things. He said it's not just wisdom and knowledge. It's the riches of his grace. It's the riches of his glory. It's the riches of his long-suffering. Everything that God has is found in his son. And that's the plan. That's the purpose. Is that we look at Christ. And when we do, just like Paul, we won't be able to do anything but say of him. And through him and to him. Yes. It's from him, it's through him, and it's to him. Are all things to whom be glory forever. And then Paul says, let it be so. Amen. This is what I want. I don't care about any of the rest of it. I don't care about my heritage. I don't care about my lineage. I don't care about the rest of it. Paul in another text said it's done to him. That he may win Christ. Because that's what he wanted. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for a chance to, again, be in your house and be gathered with your people.